a Telltale Pod production. Spirit Bird by Jasbinda Belan Chapter 11 I look in every direction before racing away from the stalls, heading out of the market towards a sign for the train station. The sun bakes the back of my head and I think of Ma, who will probably be busy with the twins, or cooking by now. She'll probably be making my favourite spiced eggy bread that I cover in oozing honey from our own hives. She won't go to light the diva until later, so she won't have seen my second note yet. She'll think I'm on the mountainside or tending the cows, not here in the middle of Sonahar, running away from home. I begin to cross the chaotic road towards a neem tree in the middle of an island, with traffic blaring all around it the air thick and smoky. Taxis beep at meandering cows and a rickshaw driver nearly drives straight over me. When I reach the island at last, I leap towards the tree, clinging to it and wiping my sweat off my face. On the opposite pavement is an old stone building with a sign above the wide double doors, Sonahar Railway Station. I launch myself back onto the road until I'm right by the doorway where two dogs skulk, their heads low to the grounds, chewing on scraps of paratha that some kind passenger has thrown to them. I hope I don't come back as a dog after I die, having to beg for my food. Our holy teachings say you never know what animal you might become in your next life. I think of Nanaji and the Lamagaya in the garden and wonder if it really was her. I push the enormous doors open and step into a huge echoing hall with a high glass ceiling, full of people carrying heavy suitcases and immense bundles of luggage on their heads. Hundreds of noisy sparrows fly from side to side, bickering and pecking at the ground. I see straight away that the hall is filled with police and keep my eyes lowered, turn briefly to check no one is following me, and edge myself to the crowds. I'm swept along towards the far end of the hall with everyone else and stare blankly at a tall board with a list of place names I've only ever seen on a map or in geography lessons. I know I need to get to Galapur, but I can't find it anywhere. Even though it's sweltering here, I feel too shy to pull my hood down, but my head is getting hotter and my thoughts spin around me in confusing spirals. Perhaps I need to find a train that's going towards the high Himalayas and stops at Galapur, or perhaps there's another board in another part of the station. I squat on the ground with my back against a cool pillar, trying to work out what I should do as I stare at the list of destinations again. I'm begrudgingly grateful for Jeevan's map now and get it out, spread it on the ground and find all the places he measured and marked in different colours. Compared to mine, his is so detailed. 
His numbers are a messy scrawl, but I can see he's written that it's 400 miles to Zantapur from here. And I feel anger flash again as I think of his betrayal and his cowardice for letting me do this all by myself. I'm still studying the map when I get a strange feeling that someone is watching me. I peer around the pillar into the crowd at all, but can't figure out who it might be. Maybe Jivan's papa found out and went to the police. There are plenty of them about. My heart clatters noisily against my ribs. I yank my hood forward, trying to bring it as close to my face as I can and move forward to the busier part of the station, keeping my head lowered. I sense someone close behind me and I get ready to sprint, but a hand on my shoulder stops me. I twist around. Is it the police? Leave me alone! I shout, ready to defend myself the best as I can. Usher? Is that you? I can't believe it. A tight knot forms in my throat. Jivan! What are you doing here? I push back my hood and take a proper good look at him. I've been looking for you for ages. I wasn't sure it was you. So there was someone watching me. I thought and thought about it. He twists at his friendship band. And in the end, I couldn't let you go by yourself. So when my papa was busy, I came to find you. I hurl my arms around him, hugging him as tightly as I can. Jivan turns beetroot, waves his arms around to stop himself from toppling over and clears his throat. I'm sorry I let you down, he says quietly. I know how hard it must have been, I say, but you came in the end and that's all that matters now. A little frown appears between his eyebrows and I know he's thinking about what he's done, wondering how his papa will explain it to his mum when he gets home. After I watched you leave, I kept imagining all the dangers out there, said Jivan, and I couldn't let you face that alone. It'd be like that book we read at school, The Three Musketeers. All for one and one for all. There's only two of us, I say, laughing for the first time in ages, in case you haven't noticed. Now that he's here, I feel a fresh surge of energy. How do you like my new look? I redden as I pass my hand over my clipped hair. Jivan hadn't said anything yet. It looks uh, different, he says. In a sort of interesting way, like a, like a proper pilgrim, he smiles. Or a warrior, I add. He suddenly starts to pace. Let's go. My papa's probably noticed I've gone. He might be looking for us. I'm sure he'll go to the police. We push ourselves into the crowds of people waiting on the platform. We have to find a train that'll drop us at Galapur, I say. Ask someone. Look for a friendly face. Jivan glances towards the doors. What about him? I point at the first person that catches my eye. He jumps in before I can say anything. Excuse me, my ma wants to know what train goes to the high Himalayas from here. We need to get to Galapur, I add. The man points at the busy board. 
It's the one that's going to Shimbala in half an hour, he says, looking us up and down. Going for the fresh mountain air, are you? You and your brother? He nods at me as he says, brother. Yes, says Jivan quickly. My cheeks feel red, but I'm pleased my short hair is fooling people. Thank you, I say, smiling. We walk away quickly and head towards the buzzing platform. I can't believe that man thought you were a boy, says Jivan, elbowing me. He must be half blind. I shrug. It just means the disguise is working. Anyway, how are we going to get on? asks Jivan, changing the subject. I didn't bring any money. I look in my purse. I haven't got much and definitely not enough for two train tickets. We'll have to sneak on. There are so many people here, they might not check. All over the platform, frightening-looking guards in dark uniforms order the crowds about, directing them to trains, taking tickets, working through the chaos. Jivan's eyes widens as he watches them. Those guards have got batons. What happens if you get caught? I don't know, I say, making tight fists. But I know we have to try. Get on that train. That was another Telltale Pod production. Remember that you can follow, share, and find more of our podcasts at tellatalepod.podbean.com.